0: Democracy.global's TrueDemocracy.global's podcast. Today we talk to Saeed Hamsafi about the process to get a drug approved by the FDA. With TrueDemocracy.global, we are looking into the different aspects and systems of democracy, the technology that supports them, as well as various systems of authority. Our hope is that through the understanding and applying shared knowledge and evolving technology that we can find ways to build trust and to encourage constructive collaboration, which may bring about greater freedom for humanity and a true democracy where the power stems truly from the people and everyone has a voice in collaboration with their fellow man and woman of any background. We live in an unprecedented time in history with technologies that have never before existed, which may help bring about this vision. Today, we talked to Saeed Hamzavi. Saeed received his master's and PhD degrees in chemistry from Georgetown University in Washington, DC. He did his postdoctoral work at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. He has been in the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry doing research development and quality control for over 30 years. Presently, he is at Genentech Roche in South San Francisco, California. I'm interested in this conversation as looking into a system of of authority, the FDA, to begin to understand its effectiveness and envision ways technology such as blockchain might make it a little bit more effective.
1: So Saeed, you have experience with the FDA, correct? Yes, I have been in the industry, so I have had uh, the opportunity to interact with the agency uh, uh, in many occasions.
0: And how long have you had experience with the FDA in your 30 years?
1: Uh, Well, at least in three uh, submissions that uh, I have been involved in, I have um, been involved with, uh, with interacting with the agency for three different products. And then when I was in different industry, of course, but most of them have been in my recent uh, position at Genentech with the okay. biologics.
0: Okay, your, your, recent, your recent position there. So pretty, pretty recently you've been
1: dealing with them.
0: Yes. And as I, from our previous conversation that got us started on this podcast, you're in the middle of the process right now,
1: correct? That is correct. And we have filed uh, sometimes in April, and uh, we are anticipating of course this is an accelerated they consider that as an accelerated process so we are looking forward to approval uh, before the end of the year and typically it takes a lot longer usually it takes about 12 months from the time of the submission uh, that you file with the agency uh, before they uh, provide you or give you the approval but this was an accelerated agreement that was made with the agency ahead of time and uh, when we filed. And uh, we are looking forward to have the approval of this medicine uh, in
0: coming months. And what, what allowed this to be an accelerated process?
1: Usually, it depends on how the uh, agency considers the urgency of the medicine that is going to be able to help patients. And if the urgency of that is high, usually they are willing to go for that.
0: I see. Is this related to to COVID?
1: No, it is not. Okay. We have been working on this far longer than COVID. Okay. (laughs) Yes. And well, how long have you been
0: working on it in development before you actually filed?
1: Well, we, I mean, this specific product has been in the development uh, when I joined the uh, companies almost eight years ago, and it was in the development even before that. And the reason for that, it has been taking a lot of time is because it uh, involves a device When you have a device, things become a lot more complicated and it is new for the company as well. Uh, This is the first time we will be filing the device. So it is considered a combination product. That means we have the medicine and you have the device that does the delivery of the drug to the patient. So you're developing technology
0: as well as the medicine. Exactly. Okay. and uh, So... Obviously you've been doing the development for a long time. Now, once you decide to submit to the FDA, how long does that, well, you told me 12 months, but what is the process?
1: But but let let me, you know, take you back. You know, the process of uh, development, it is not just that 12 months that we are talking about. That is essentially the last stage that we go through. You know, a drug, when we develop a drug, it goes through multiple phases from uh, discovery that uh, we discover that this drug has the potential for this specific indication until it is tested on the animals. Toxicology is done. These are all preclinical phases that we have to do. And all of that is under the auspices of the agency because we have to communicate with them, get their uh, their permission to proceed with those uh, testings and when preclinical are done, tox is done, then we go to phase one. And phase one is when we come up with the crude formulation of the material. And when I say crude, it is at the point that we think it is going to be working uh, in in patients, and the phase one takes place. Phase one typically involves uh, up to about 30, 40 healthy patients that the purpose of the phase one is essentially to uh, look at the pharmacokinetic, pharmacodynamic, the toxicity of the drug, and also uh, dosing the drug to see what level of, what dose of the drug you have to give to the patient uh, before you see any sign of toxicity. And uh, so that is phase one essentially in healthy patients. Then once we, based on that information, we do further optimization to the formulation and phase two starts. Usually phase two is includes real patients that they have the targeted uh, disease. And that number goes to 100, 200, 300. That is not large number of patients that we go through and we do all the assessment that we had done in the phase one but additionally we want to see if the drug is efficacious is it working is it giving the signs that it is working for the targeted purpose that we have and if everything is satisfactory during the phase two uh, process then we get permission from the agency to proceed with the phase three. Phase three, again, with again based on the information that we gathered from the phase two studies, uh, we refine the formulation. Furthermore, and uh, it involves thousands of patients from different uh, you know locations, uh, ethnicity, colors, and all over the country. Even all over the world, and that we go around. So, the so the numbers could go to thousands of patients that have to be evaluated for all the pharmacokinetic uh, toxicity signs of toxicity and how efficacious it is. We have to have a uh, the there is a point that you have to meet, and if you meet that. Uh, point, then we are convinced that the drug is working. And that is the time which we have all the evidence that we have no toxicity, no major side effect, and the drug is good enough and it is doing its job. Then we put all that information together and submit that to FDA. And that is the final. This is essentially the pivotal part of the work that formulation is called actually pivotal formulation because that is the one we are going to present to as a final product to the agency and from that point Mm -hmm. that you provide this information which is includes sometimes hundreds of thousands of pages of documents information data uh, that we have gathered throughout these years and uh provide them to the agency, and then the agency has uh, give themselves up to 12 months to review that, question us, get clarification, and come back to us with their questions. And if we can provide them with satisfactory responses, and then of course, the f- final phase is that they come in and they perform a on-site inspection and usually, the on-site inspection uh, constituted by drug substance manufacturing site, drug product manufacturing sites, and uh, the quality control labs, which is very extensive and very thorough. So I'm going to stop here and let you ask questions question based on the information I provided. I don't want to overwhelm you with all of that.
0: Well, that was a lot of good information. I appreciate you stopping me and taking me back along that process and and also letting me know that they're involved from the beginning. The FDA is involved from the beginning. Pretty much so, yeah. I'm curious how many products get stopped along the way, Mm. phase one, phase two,
1: phase three. Uh, That is a good question. Well, I can tell you. Statistically, for the pharmaceutical, I mean, right now, as you know, we have two terminology that are being used. One is pharmaceutical and one is biologics. Pharmaceutical history has a longer history. And you know, when I say pharmaceutical, it is like aspirin Mm -hmm. that you synthesize the active ingredient in the laboratory by a synthetic chemist. With biologics, the story is totally different essentially what you have to do is to get a biological entity to make the the complex molecules that, in the lab, it is impossible to make. Uh So we take a a bacteria, modify the genes of the bacteria in order to make that molecule that you want, that you have during the discovery, you know it works. And then essentially the bacteria makes the material for you the API the API is active ingredient, active pharmaceutical ingredient. then that is far more complex than the pharmaceutical you know small molecule also called OK usually, with the pharmaceutical, you know out of 5,000 that uh, in the preclinical, five of them gets into the clinical Wow. Out of five, one of them makes it to market. Wow. So you can see the attrition that it goes through. And as a result, the cost that the industry has to endure Uh to bring one single drug into the market.
0: That's for the pharmaceuticals. What about the That's for pharmaceuticals.
1: Yeah. For biological, things are a little more, um predefined and and usually uh, when you make a identification that for example for an oncology drug you find an antibody that can work an antibody is a molecule that actually goes and binds into the site that tumor for example And once it binds itself to that site, it prevents that cell from reproducing. So this is like, um, this is oncology. This is just to give you an example. Mm -hmm. And most of the, you know, when we started the biotechnology, essentially the biotechnology was, as I indicated, a bacteria makes that, you know, Genentech was the frontier uh, actually uh, to be a, biotechnology over 42 or three years ago. Wow. And the first product, yeah, Genentech is the frontier actually to be a biotech. And our first product was synthetic insulin using the technology. You know, in the past, insulin was used by the, uh, you had to extract it from the pig's uh, uh, pancreas. And, and you can imagine how many pigs you have to sacrifice and very small amount of insulin would be coming out. However, when this technology came, you could actually manufacture tens of hundreds of liters of the material using the bacteria to do that. Of course, you have to purify and all of that process, uh-huh. so very complex processes that you have to go through. So that was our first product. I mean, Genentech's first product, uh, to prove the uh, soundness of the technology, uh, th- that would be um, pharmaceutical then. No, insulin again because it is a it is a hormone. Insulin okay. is hormone. It's a very complex molecule. That's why you cannot synthesize it in the lab. It is you know we're talking about a molecule which hundred thousand dalton. Uh huh. So it is far more complex than any uh, you know, scientists can really sit in lab. It, I mean, even if you can, that it would take eons to I actually know. do it. But genetically, a bacteria can do that for you overnight.
0: Okay, I see. I see the yeah. bacteria is, is manufacturing
1: it. Yeah, you essentially design, you modify, engineering the gene of the uh, bacteria Usually E. coli, and E. coli is very fast reproducer. Wow! And then, then you provide it with all the nutrients and the right environment, and it goes to work for you.
0: But E. coli is something dangerous to, to us, right? Absolutely. And yet, but it we does... choose that one because
1: it's very simple. It's a bacteria, mm-hmm. and it's very fast uh, reproducer. It can produce huge amount of material in weeks. Wow. And then, of course, you know, there's tons of processes that you have to go through to purify, clean, and extract that specific molecule that the bacteria generated for you. And then formulate that into a formulation that is uh, presentable to the patient. Amazing. Yeah, and that is why it takes a lot of time and uh, you have to go through rigorous uh, evaluation and uh, phase one, phase two, phase three uh, with many patients. And of course, initially preclinical, you do it on animals and all of that in order to show the uh, safety and toxicity and all of that. But that's why it takes such a long time. Now, going back to the question as far as how long and how many drugs, you know, with the biologic, as I said, that story was to give you the background that it is a little more clear target when we identify an antibody that it is working or not. So if during the course of uh, you know phase, you know preclinical you have good indication, and then you have a better chance, and of course then you move into the clinical phases, and um, I would say probably fifty percent you have the chance of success.
0: Okay, so it's much it's much higher. Way
1: it's much higher. Way yeah. higher. Yeah. But it costs a lot more. Oh. It costs a lot more for for the biological, you know, typical pharmaceutical costs about five to eight hundred million dollars. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends, you know, depends on the complexity of it. But for biologic, usually it ranges from two to two and a half uh, billion dollars. Billion. Billion dollars. Jeez. So and that's why biologics are more expensive as well. Mm-hmm. They take longer to develop and approve, get them approved. Uh, but uh, so that's why you know everybody's screaming and crying why is it so expensive? Drug is so expensive because it really, takes a lot of time, resources, and money. Okay. So it's not cheap.
0: That's great background. And now back to the FDA, which is really what I wanna talk about, but the background is very fascinating and interesting. The process, They're with you the entire way. Are you dealing with the same people through the entire process,
1: all the stages? Not, of course, they would prefer to have, you know, FDA is a large organization Uh and each, you know, group that you are working with, it is constructed of certain people who have expertise in the area that you are developing a particular disease, a drug for that particular disease. So they have to have special expertise in what you are going to uh, presenting to them. So more or less, the uh, um, key functional people who are familiar with that are obviously going to be with you for the period of the time. But like any organization, when we are talking about years of Development Mm -hmm. changes can happen at the agency as well, and so not necessarily the same people are going to be uh, interacting with you at the end. But right, and uh, people come and go. People get promoted, change, you know, structure changes and so forth. Mm -hmm. But again, for a good part, you you know, uh, you know, at least the earlier phases, probably it is with same people more or less, but. Uh, when you get to the later later uh, phases uh, and of course the level of expertise and all of that is going to be changed and uh, more people are going to be involved and um, so you have the chance to have some of those people who have been with you for a period of years uh, to be part of this evaluation but that doesn't mean necessarily that all of those are going to come and visit you because they don't have that kind of luxury to bring tons of people. Even though I would say tens of people are reviewing your information. Tens of people we are talking about, as I said, sometimes 100,000 pages, you have to provide agency and they have to review everything. And they are very meticulous. Very meticulous. Very meticulous. And they can find things that, You even did not, you know, they cross check everything pretty much. You know, when you have a document here and a document there, something related to that, they cross check if you are saying the same thing. So they are very meticulous and they're very thorough. Wow. So I don't want them, I don't want to be in their position reviewing thousands and thousands of, you know, pages of document. And it is not only our product. It is many pharma companies that they are applying constantly. Right. Do you you know anything about the internal
0: structure? Do you know how many employees they have inspecting?
1: My understanding is FDA as a whole has about, you know, about 15,000, 16,000 employees overall. But there are multiple centers. You know, the three centers that we work with are the pharmaceutical uh, center for pharmaceutical, Pharma- and uh, center for uh, biologics, and center for uh, device. Okay. So these are the primary centers that we work with. There are multiple other centers. You know, they have vet. They have, uh, uh, of course, food, and um, many other uh, areas that I believe. That we don't have to interact with is mm-hmm. a pretty large organization. And within the same center, there is, uh, you know, subdivisions, sub teams that each one has a different responsibility in reviewing and commenting and checking. I mean, every from every aspect that they have to perform those uh, reviews and evaluations.
0: Great. Now. Um... Can you can you give me an example of how meticulous you are? They are. You talked about the different.
1: Um... <laughs> well, I uh, by being meticulous. I mean, we have, for example, uh, you write a report for you know. Let's take my role myself. My role is to evaluate, develop, and evaluate the methodologies that you can characterize. Because when you're developing a product, of course, within the pharma company, within the biological company, biotech company there are multiple groups with different expertise that they are contributing to the development of the drug we have the formulation scientists we have the purification scientists and we have the quality control and we have the regulatory people and my role for example is as part of the development I am mostly dealing with the methodologies that are being used to characterize the uh, formulation. And our role is to develop methods and verify them. We call them method validation. There are guidelines that you have to follow which is uh, provided by the ICH, which is a combination of uh, uh, it is ICH is the International um, Council for Harmonization, which it is European, actually FDA, all of them have come together and brought the industry together in order to come up with the guidelines that we have to follow as the industry that is performing all these testing, evaluation, clinical studies we do. There are guidelines that they have come up with. They are very strict, very strict. Everything has to be documented to the last letter and traceable. And one of the biggest tasks that FDA is involved actually is this, what we call GMP good manufacturing practice. Everything that you, when an analyst goes to the lab to start performing a test, you have to record every step that they take, the instrument they use, lot number of the material they used, the formulation that was made, what was the lot number, when was it made, what is the expiration date of that material that you use. It is very rigorous and... Uh, actually, most time-consuming for all the analysts and all of us who are in the quality control have to follow. Wow! And, and yeah, it's very painful, actually.
0: I I can see that. And 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 what happens if somebody gets lazy and forgets
1: to document something? If if they cannot trace things back, they have to redo it. They redo it. They have to go back and redo it because that data loses its integrity. Yeah. And even if it took a week, two weeks, a month, a year, if there is enough flaw that you cannot mitigate, you have to go back and redo it. And so the, that's why,
0: yes. Does your company make that decision before it goes to the FDA or does absolutely. the FDA-
1: Absolutely, no, no, absolutely. We have- standard operating procedure for every single thing that you can imagine. Wow. And there are tons and tons. You know, I remember the first day that I went to the, uh, I joined the company, every company I joined, I mean, I was working with, the very first thing is they give you 200 SOPs that you have to read.
0: 200 what? SOPs? Standard Standard operating operating procedures, yeah.
1: These are minimum, of course. Um, Uh Then expand depending on which area you are going to be spending more of your time. You have to read more, you have to. um, And
0: how thick are these?
1: It all depends. They are, they could be about uh, three pages to 20 pages.
0: Uh, I like the three page ones,
1: yeah. You like that, (laughs) but but for the analyst, when they are running a method, it is you know, 30 pages, because everything has been spelled out in there, how to make this reagent, that reagent, how much to weigh out, all of that is spelled out and the analyst has to follow every step of the way. And if they miss, they miss. Do these uh, SOPs
0: change in t- it, with time? They
1: change depending on the regulatory changes that come true. They get more restrictive actually, uh-huh. In certain instances, they become more restrictive, but at the same time, you know, we learn from our experience and then we can actually create a platform method. And the problem is, you know, when you develop a method, you have to validate it. And the process of validation is pain, painstakingly long and arduous. Again, that's part of the GMP good manufacturing practice. And so that's why every time you come up with a method, that method goes through this rigorous validation and report writing to ensure that all the attributes of that method is met within those acceptance criteria. Mm -hmm. And every time they run that assay, that assay has to meet those acceptance criteria that you have imposed on it, otherwise, that method has to be verified. I mean, checked and redone. So all of these are based on the regulations, and and on, on top of that, uh, we 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 try to conform to the regulation that comes uh, from the agencies. ICH primarily. And when we do that, obviously, you know, as I said, every method that we come up with, um, and we come up with different molecules, but sometimes you can use the same method for multiple molecules. That you have to show that you don't have to validate that method for every single molecule. You have to be able, you have, you find ways, you know, you have to be smart about it, find ways to validate this method for multiple molecules, then apply it to all of them. They say, if I validate it once, then I would be able to use it for multiple molecules as well, multiple formulation. So these are the flexibilities that we have internally. Mm -hmm. These are the ones that the agency won't dictate to you. You have to follow the rules that they uh, impose on you, but you can be smart about how to meet them. And this is one way that you can modify things rather than validating a method for every single molecule, you can show. I can validate this method and apply it to multiple molecules and validate only once. Do a big validation only once, and then I can use it for multiple molecules. So these are the flexibility that we have internally.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. And... I, as a, a computer programmer, have ways to do that. You use the same template, the same code for several things. Once exactly. you do it, it's like you plug it in and it works for other things. And that's that's a key to being very efficient in programming, it sounds like.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and again, you know, we have to, you know, as any industry, because of the cost that we are enduring, we have to an industry is really competitive we are trying to be you know more efficient Uh every day we have to become more efficient and we are using all the technology as far as you know 5s and green belt and those concept of kaizen all of those are we are being trained on and we are implementing them into our practices in order to um increase the efficiency and reduce the waste.
0: Yeah. Well, it's amazing. And um, because everything's so regulated with the various procedures and rules, it doesn't sound like there's much wiggle room.
1: There is really not much wiggle room. I mean, then you have, that's why when I say all of these, so when when I say uh, they're meticulous, we have a separate document for validating this report, right, this method, right? Uh-huh. So then we are analyzing the, the sample. The analyst goes to the lab and analyzes the sample. Now the agency can go back to your validation report and check the data that you have generated. Did it meet the acceptance criteria that you had proposed during your validation of the method? So these two documents are totally, you know, far apart, Uh not in a sense apart, but as far as logistics is concerned, yeah, this is one, and this is a result of a test that they had done. It was phase two data. This was a phase three sample that they had to test. This was a stability sample that they had to test. So they can go back, they go actually do check that you did meet those criteria that you had set during your course of validating the mat. I and is,
0: is this internal that you're talking about still? No, this company? is what
1: the FDA does. Okay. I mean, because from the questions that we get back from the FDA, uh-huh. they, they find a discrepancy and they say, why is this? Okay. That's why we have run into many of, many questions like that. That's why I say they're very meticulous about it.
0: And then you have to find the answer. How yeah. it, how many questions do you get during this process? Of- it,
1: it, 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 it all depends, you know. Uh, it depends on the complexity of the project, especially if it is new. And, you know, like for us, we have the device. This is the first time we are filing with a device. We're getting huge number of questions from from perspective of the device. But almost every week, we get a set of questions from them, okay. almost.
0: Just once a yeah. week or do they?
1: Almost once a week. You know, sometimes you have a break and yeah. it's quiet, but <laughs> they don't give you much time. They give you only a week, less than a week, four days, okay. five days, that you have to put your answers together. And again, it's this laundry list of questions that come true. And then you have each division, each group has to uh, is assigned those, um, the section that you are SME, you are the mm-hmm. uh, subject matter expert, you go in and review the questions and try to provide a convincing response. Uh, so there's a lot of questions that come in again, it all depends on the um, complexity of the, the uh, submission.
0: What really blows me away is that there's so many details in this process that no one person could have a, a picture of it all. It seems like yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know what is the structure that they. I'm sure they must have must have people who their job is to do this cross referencing. Yeah, checking. And yeah. they might not be you know uh, high level scientists. They might be just technician level in that understand the technology, the method, and so forth. I. This is my 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 assumption. I don't know internally how they do that, but you based on the questions that you get you see that they have done a thorough job. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And who pays for all of this?
1: Well, we, I mean, usually we don't pay much. You know, if, if it is usually for an accelerated one, of course, we have to pay a little more. But typically, the fees are a few thousand dollars. Yeah, wow. the taxpayer pays for it.
0: Okay. So we're, yeah. we're, we're paying for all of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now you mentioned this other agency, this European agency. What was yeah. that?
1: Yeah, the European agencies also have their own regulation and requirement. We have to file, do a separate filing with them.
0: In this whole oh, process, with them as well.
1: Totally,
0: oh totally, God.
1: and you—you you, actually sometimes they are far more, um, uh, you know, detailed. Sometimes you feel that they are far more, not, I wouldn't say detailed, they are more uh, finicky about their expectation and the questions that they mm-hmm. pose you. And you get a lot more questions from them than FDA. I, in a way, one thing about FDA is, of course, FDA is a lot more familiar with many of companies in the US, so, or the product or the history of the product. So probably they have more, Uh, familiarity and they don't uh, you know bug you with every detail but Europeans they don't care if they do not like something they do not understand something they question you and you have to provide them with all enough information and uh, so this is one European Union uh, is one that uh, we we file and then we have submission all over the world and each one of those like Brazil Turkey, Middle East, Russia. Uh, each one of them have their own um, way of uh, interpreting things and questioning you. So this is a process which is very long and um, involved.
0: Uh-huh. And I would... Each country has their own process. European Union is joined together. So there's... get
1: together. Majority of them are joined. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you, yeah, usually you submit to European Union, but each country can send you a separate set of questions. Germany. Uh, oh, okay. You know, Spain. They can send you sub- separate questions independently. But at the same time, it goes to one organization distributed among those European countries, and then they can communicate their question to you uh, in the independently
0: okay yeah so what, what would you say about something like the the covid vaccine which was developed very quick
1: yeah that that's very unique situation i yeah. i i i would say that you know vaccine usually if it goes through its normal process takes 10 years mm. A typical vaccine takes ten years to make all the evaluations, especially the risk and health uh, aspect of it. Um, uh, I would, I, I, mean, I would, I would say I admire. Uh, I really um, take my hat off for companies like Pfizer and Moderna and other companies that they were able to. Uh, bring the final product to the market in such a short term. And of course it was under a lot of stress and pressure and the FDA, as you know, they did not provide the final approval to the drug until recently. Right. It was just under you know, uh, emergency situation that they released it for, just because the conditions were so detrimental for everybody. But that is very unusual, very, uh, Atypical, and uh, it takes far more time to perform all those evaluations and assessments, and for the pharma company to, you know, come up with the information that is needed. Because you have to go again; all those phases of the analysis has to be done. Which, and
0: but they did they did it in an accelerated rate.
1: Right? Yeah, pretty much. They
0: jumped from phase one to phase three. And I imagine that they essentially they weren't as thorough in, in this case.
1: Yeah, and the number of the patients that they, they studied in the last yeah. uh, phase, uh, they tried to make up for all the fa- previous phases that they could not, they didn't have time to. So essentially phase three was a culmination of all of the studies they had to do.
0: With, with such a complex process and so many people working on it, I can't imagine that the system can handle much corruption.
1: with can. No, you cannot. I, 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 mean, I give credit. I uh, one thing about, you know, since we file to other countries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, history of some of the other countries like Russia or um, India, the, the the system is more susceptible to corruption in those countries. It depends on the countries, I see. It depends on the country. But I would give, you know, our FDA a plus one because every medicine that is approved by FDA majority of the countries which they don't have a very strong internal uh, evaluating organization and entity like a, a, you know their uh, health system if FDA approves the drug, it shortens the time of their approval in ah. because they very heavily rely on the credential that they have. From the FDA. Okay,
0: I, it, do some countries basically say if the FDA approves it will?
1: Yeah, majority of Middle Eastern countries, you know, like yeah. Saudi Arabia, okay. Kuwait, and all of those you know, FDA approved it, and they just it was just a paper practice, uh, ex- paper exercise for them just to put it through their system.
0: Okay. Yeah. Are there countries that uh, might not have an approval process that the drug would be available in before it's approved anywhere?
1: Well, I can imagine that, you know, some of those poor nations, like African countries, they would be in that boat. Yeah. And they have no choice because they don't have the expertise. They don't have their system, proper system. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why they would have to rely on approval of a uh, FDA.
0: Okay. Yeah. And if it's not approved by a country, the drug can't be sold in the country.
1: Yeah, typically that is how it is. You know, you cannot sell it to European uh, countries, European Union, if it is not approved by the European.
0: Yeah, could uh, these things get uh, pushed out on like a black market or something? None at all. Because the, com- at all. the company, would have the integrity not to, to do something like they that. Cannot. And
1: we actually have things in place that uh, that even you know we fight counterfeit. You know, there are countries yeah. like yeah. India. They make counterfeit mm-hmm. version of, you know, the approved drugs, and they try to sell it as authentic product. So we have systems in place that to intercept and provide prevent those from happening. So, but, but, yeah, no, I mean, those countries such as, of course, U.S. and European, those which have they have a very restrictive. And control system in place, there's no way that you can uh, bypass it.
0: That's nice to know.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, no that, I'm I'm confident about that. Yeah,
0: yeah, mm, good. And I think that was all I was thinking of asking you. Do, do you know if your your company incorporates blockchain
1: technology at all? I don't believe so. Mm-hmm i don't believe so and again the bitcoin not bitcoin i mean the uh, blockchain is something which is very new for everybody and you even for fda uh, they haven't paid much attention to that but they have studied uh, the some Benefits that it can have in terms of efficiency that it can provide for the supply chain. The supply chain meaning? Supply yeah. chain of the drug information. The yeah, information. Uh, the information that goes to the patient between patient med- medical information to the patient to the physician, and uh, also um, those are areas that there is potential for these. Uh, blockchain to have some chance to uh, help out like, and,
0: like like everything has to be developed in in fit be, into the system very
1: meticulously absolutely yeah. and you should be able to able to control it and understand it well yeah so you can use it efficiently effectively yeah
0: i see uh, two two levels here one is your internal uh, structure of recording everything it could be a tool for that that might actually prevent one the next step from happening until this one is is, is no
1: it is something interesting actually yeah. uh, you know that you just said that you know because you have to have lots of check mm-hmm. and balances internally that is an area probably that it could be looked into
0: yeah i think it could be developed so that it could it could make sure that one step. It can do the checking of right. The, the right meticulousness of the steps before the next step is taken, and then as far as the communication between FDA and the company, you know, recording the questions and answers and looking at the that that's that process as well. It might have a a place there.
1: Yeah, I I. I. Vaguely, I can Im- imagine that there is the potential for. Yeah, those. yeah, we're just how to structure it is far beyond me. We're just two guys talking and you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> coming up <laughs> but with it's ideas. Good. You know, no, you you, you are right because mm-hmm. you know I always uh, I had um, you know colleagues who were, worked in the uh, Toyota industry and uh, they were talking about. Uh, the Kaizen system that Toyota uses in order to improve the efficiency. And he, and they would be posing the question to me, can you apply that to your industry? I said, how can you do that to development? How can you do that to, um, you know, a a GMP environment? But now we have, we have started doing it. You know, uh, many years ago, it was something very uh, far-fetched. Mm-hmm. But now we are actually employing those uh, concepts and we are getting trained on those concepts to exercise them and use them. and we are encouraged to use them. So right. this is, this is another tool that I you know, I don't want to show resistance because I don't understand it. but yeah I sure it has lots of potential in areas that we cannot at this point understand and envision
0: yeah once it's it's proven in uh, other industries it might start creeping in yeah yeah Yeah. i i would not be surprised i would not Mm -hmm. be surprised good good well i can't think of anything else to ask you or talk
1: about can you think of anything else uh well uh i um i am not sure if anything that i missed No, I think uh, we covered a lot of areas that uh, you wanted to uh, talk about and I, uh, you know, it is just, I guess I would say uh, all I can say is one thing I can add to this conversation is since the topic is the FDA, I would say that we should be very lucky that we have the FDA in this country.
0: It sounds Um, like it, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it would not have been possible to uh, ensure the safety of the material and drugs that every day all the consumers and patients are using without the guardianship of the FDA. So I you know, take my hat off to them and uh, we should be very uh, proud having an agency uh, at, behind us, supporting us. Do you know how long they've been around? Yeah, FDA actually uh, structurally was uh, started in 1906, but they did not start really looking at safety aspect of the drug until around 35, 1935 or so. And especially it, 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 what triggered that was there was a drug that was, uh, it was antiviral. And this drug was given to patients. it had a physician started uh, prescribing it to pregnant uh, mothers, those who were getting the morning sickness. So it was very effective helping those mothers, you know, prevent, prevented them from getting sick. But after a few years, what happened, they realized all these moms who had been taking this medicine, they had babies with severe uh, birth defects, Mm. no arm, two legs, no finger. Very devastating, very devastating. Initially they didn't find it, but then they realized it is uh, this drug which was called thalidomide, which was being prescribed. And that is when, the belt became really tight, and when they got serious. New rules were yeah uh, introduced, and FDA became serious about the safety of the drug.
0: <laughs> I thought we were reaching a closing, but now I have another question. what if what if there's a drug that has been approved and then, say, ten years down the line, they just dis- they discover some uh,
1: issues with it? How quickly- issues can- with it?
0: Yeah, if
1: they find, of course, you know it, it has to be reported you know we have a phase four uh besides the phase threes that i talked about mm-hmm. we have a phase four which is post-marketing uh, essentially it is long-term uh, effect of the drug if there is any side effect if it is any toxicity associated with if there is a long-term impact of the drug so that's called phase four so the pharma company has to continue monitoring the uh, use of the drug and the effect that it has on the patient long term and if there is any indication which is um causing more harm than benefit then and of course all of this has to be communicated to the agency and then the agency can stop it
0: they would uh, they would say stop it but there there's a slight conflict of interest that the company is the one that has to report
1: it. it yeah again the, it is is the rule. You have to obey, you have to uh-huh. follow and you have to. that's that's the job that's the rule. you got to do it.
0: And if there's some just dis- discrepancy where it's not reported, well oh,
1: you-, oh the, you get a big consent from the FDA, harsh punishment from the heavy fine and even shutting down your manufacturing, you know all oh, mm-hmm. they, they have they have a lot of power.
0: okay. Yeah, it's something can I find you
1: very heavily, very heavily. Yeah, they are just like FBI. They can come and shut you down. uh
0: Yeah. They,
1: are, yeah they, are, they, are very, they have a lot of powers.
0: Yeah. Is that, has that ever happened before? To
1: oh, age? yeah. It yeah. has happened.
0: Within I mean, your company. History,
1: yeah. No, 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 no. No. Okay. no, these are you know dishonest companies that okay. Yeah, that they they were not they, they were you know breaking the rules and they were hiding things, and, and of course. You know, they, uh, you know, the FDA would not shut you down forever. You know, they shut you down temporarily, Mm -hmm. and then they give you time to fix it. If you fix it within, you know, dictated time, then they let you open up. But if you fail, then they can shut you down forever. Yeah. Yeah. No, Fortunately, I have not been involved with any company. Fortunately, all the companies I've worked with have been (laughs) legitimate and they did a good job for for the patients. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. I think we reached a natural conclusion a little while ago when you were saying how lucky we were to have the FDA. It felt like a good stopping point, but then more came up. So I I I agree. Yeah. So, (laughs) anyway, thank you for your time. Anything else? Well,
1: thank you for the opportunity, Jay, for uh, being able to join your uh, podcast and talk to you and your listeners. And uh, it, is, it was a pleasure to do that. Thank you.
0: Thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen. We will continue this podcast mission to bring more topics related to democracy, as well as systems of the authority and the technologies that support them. We cast a wide net to bring in information from a variety of sources with the intention of shedding some light in every corner and illuminating a broad and deep understanding of the systems that exist, past and present, and to envision and take action towards a more peaceful future. Please visit truedemocracy.global for more information and to support the vision to build trust, to encourage constructive collaboration, and provide an avenue for the authenticity of and secure storage of information. truedemocracy.global